How you doing, everyone? Thanks for tapping into another episode of The Gifted Gab. I have my guy Mark Anthony in, stopped by, fellow comedian, actor, and MC. Uh, we talked a lot. We got into some of the issues within the comedic space, cancel culture, um, performing comedy during a lockdown, some of the adjustments he's made, and, and what he has going on now in the future. Um, am I missing anything? Some Uncle yeah, Doug some stuff. Uncle Doug stuff. Oh, shout out Uncle Doug, man. Shout out to Uncle Doug. That election's coming soon, man. Make sure you get your votes in. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good one. It was a good one. Make sure to tap in, like, follow, subscribe, and uh, stay tuned. We here. Love it. You are now tuned in to The Gifted Gap. We're live. We're live. Mark, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. This is fantastic. Oh, I appreciate that. Appreciate that. It's good to have you uh, stop by. I know we meant to do this a little bit earlier, but, you know. Yeah. How's everything going? It's going good, man. I mean, I can't complain. We made it out of the pandemic. You know, I'm uh, doing shows again. I'm the content's on the up and up. I can't. I can't complain, man. A lot of people like that. wish that they could do something they love. So, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Do it full time too. That's that's different. Yeah, I mean. Uh, you know, I, I'm lucky that uh, my wife pays the bills. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, a, I've got a sugar mama at the moment. That, uh, uh, shout uh, out to you. There's a lot of guys that want to be like you. I'm going to say that right now. There's a lot of guys out here. That wouldn't say that? That would like to be like you. Oh, yeah. true. Okay, nice. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Call back to the Malocchio <laughs> deflection. Holy smoke. Actually, give some context to what that what that means for the for the viewers. Oh, right. Yeah. I forgot we weren't recording yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, basically, I'm going to go right into the camera. My nonna does this stuff called Malocchio. It's removing the evil eye from people. And this is a symbol that Italians use to deflect any hate or jealousy or anything like that. So if you've ever seen an Italian doing this, they're just deflecting your hate so that they don't internalize it and you don't bring down the energy. Bring down the energy in the room. Yeah. I learn something new every day, you know. Um, so, yeah, speaking on getting out of the pandemic, uh, yeah. I wanted to ask, how was being in the comedic space during that whole process? Because I'm sure, you, obviously, you weren't doing shows. Yeah. You weren't touring. Like, how was that for you? Uh, it wasn't terrible. Like I found a couple ways to adapt. Like I was doing a lot of virtual shows. Like I was doing the Zoom shows and kind of, I have this side company called Funny Man Inc. where I do like, you know, corporate gigs and like private functions. I run stuff through my company and whatnot. Uh, so I kind of built this like virtual uh, comedy club per se, ran it through Zoom, studio space kind of like this with good lighting, a camera operator, stuff like that. And really kind of have good comedy on Zoom. I'm like, people are at home, people want shows. You know, there's only so many Netflix specials they can pump out right now during this pandemic. So I found a way to adapt with that, which was good because, you know, they were, uh, everyone was working from home. Like, so all these companies wanted like, hey, we got to entertain our staff at home. So can you like come perform at our lunch or something like that? Like virtually, it was like, hell yeah, man. I would invite comics over. We'd be socially distanced, mic covers and whatever. I got a nice, beautiful backdrop and two camera angles made it look sick. So that was good. And then, you know, after making sourdough bread for like eight months and gaining weight, I was like, <laughs> I was like, fuck it. Let's uh, let me get outside. Yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. let me do some content and whatnot. So I switched to content and joined with my buddy, Austin, uh, the guy who does those Justin Trudeau videos. And uh, we started a YouTube channel and oh, yeah, man. shit just started going well with you, that. You guys had the funniest impersonation of Uncle Doug and, Tr and Trudeau, man. To this day, I, <laughs> I, I, bro, that makes me laugh. Like every time that. you had that one skit, I think uh, it was shot in like a warehouse. Oh yeah, it was yeah. last year yeah. that one had me rolling, man. Yeah, nice, thank you, bro. Yeah, the, everyone was loving that shit. I yeah. mean, I mean, uh, Doug just called me the other day and says we're gonna collab soon. So something, 
Hopefully. Doug Ford. Doug Ford. What's we'll he, see. Yeah, <laughs> how do you reach out to you? Like email or some shit? Like, so uh, he gives out his phone numbers at these like events, yeah. I guess. So like a bunch of people reached out to me. He was like, yo, the guys, we got his phone number like on the screen. Like, you want it? I'm like, of course I want it. Duh. Yeah. So I would just text it all the time. Be like, hey, man, let's, uh, it's me, the guy who impersonates you. If we can collab, take a photo, anything, right? Like people will love it. Um, and then his assistant reached out and was like, listen, we're getting your messages. He's very busy. Just let me try and get something, like at least a call for you. And then he called me from an unknown number. And he's like, hey, this is Premier Doug Ford. And I was like, holy fuck. Unknown. Yeah, unknown number. And I was So like, when you see that on the screen, what are you thinking? Like, Yeah, I'm like, this is an air duct cleaning service call. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was, sure. I was ready to hang up for on sure. him. Or CRA claiming I'm doing some illegal fraud. Yeah, or I want a free cruise or some shit. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah so you those, know. those are underrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cruises? so... Summertime's around the corner. Jeez, legit, legit. Uh, especially those free ones, man. Yeah. Those scams. Fuck, give me your credit card, oh, please. Uh, yeah. So he called me and he was just like, "Listen, you know, I'm uh, I'm doing this freaking uh, the the election. Like, it's tough. Like, you know, I'm freaking busy. Like, I know you want to take a picture and all that." And he was like, "You gotta understand, I can't, I can't do it." And I was like, "I get it." Uh, he's like, until the election's over. When the election's so done. Said, until these elections over. Yeah, well, because <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. kind of like, listen, he's like, I can't even go for dinner without people being like, look at this guy eating, can't yeah. do his job, you know? Yeah. So he's like, you know, I don't know how it's going to look with you. Uh, I was like, we've got to attack those young voters, man. Fucking take some pics. The young people will love it. They'll see that you're, you know, for, for the comedy and the yeah. youth or whatever, right? And he was just like, listen, keep doing what you're doing. Love it. It's funny. Love the entrepreneurial mindset you have in the scene or whatever. Um, post-election follow-up and we'll try to do something. So uh, I'll do that and we'll see it's, what happens. It's crazy how the election process is and how that affects decisions from politicians, right? Like, mind you, if we were not in an election, you would have had that collab already. Uh, you're seeing a lot of things change when it comes to policies. Like, I know, uh, you know, no mask mandates now. Yep. Right? Yep. They're returning bumper car stickers, the the, the payments for that. And um I wouldn't say a lot of it is for show, but it's it showed just how strategic things are. Oh, yeah. You know oh, what I yeah. mean? And so when you're impersonating a guy like Doug Ford, do you ever feel that, I wouldn't say it's like a pressure, but do you ever feel like you're kind of interfering in that process or, or hindering him in, in a way? I mean... Altering views? Like, how does that... I don't know, because I've tried myself to be strategic about it as well. Like, because I don't want people to come at me for my personal political views as Mark the Comedian, and I don't want people to hate the character I'm doing because it's a conservative and they don't vote conservative. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I want them to, like, uh, the point is to disconnect from it, and I'm playing this character that I invented out of Doug that's the personal side of him that I think he is at his cottage or in his backyard having a couple beers, right? So I try to disconnect from that, and I, I hope I don't interfere. But if anything, I feel like it draws some awareness. I don't know if it's positive or negative. I don't. I've never thought about that. Well, you hear, the, you hear the phrase "all publicity is good publicity." Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. You know, especially being a co comedian, an actor, you're taking risks daily. For sure. Right. So yeah. I mean, I mean, when it comes to his his standpoint, I like to think it's more positive. You know, right. when it, when you mentioned like it helps with uh, connecting with the youth, yeah, I think that's a good thing, right? Someone yeah. that's someone that's in the culture of of comedy that can can have a laugh. I think when you when you're able to laugh at some of the the tougher things at life, of course, it goes down much smoother. Yeah, right. And you know, I politically for just a split second, I think it's both Doug and Justin or any politician throughout the pandemic, like. <laughs> 
no matter how they would have handled it, anybody in power would have been run through the fucking coals. Oh, like, yeah. you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like, so uh, I don't know how they handled it and dealt with it. I mean, I know they made a good chunk of change on that shit, but um, personally, so, but, uh, you know, you can't uh, can't judge these guys too harshly. Like, sure, Trudeau made a few offside calls, and I was like, brother, I don't <laughs> yeah, know what you're doing now. Like, on, yeah, yeah you're, you know, but, um, and I think the whole country agreed with that side. I think that even liberals were like, What's this guy doing? You know? Oh, yeah. So, but, um, yeah, I can't judge them too harshly for the shit that they did throughout the pandemic. And, I mean, uh, it was funny. On the call, I was just like, I don't know why you're stressed out, man. Like, you got it in the bag. And he was like, oh, I appreciate that. And then I sent him a text. I'm like, bro, you're going to crush this guy. Now, here's the thing. I'm not, like, for or against. I feel like there should be a joint party. Like, you know, let the, the liberals. Yeah, let the yeah. liberals handle the arts. Let the conservatives handle the finances. Like, whatever, right? There's got to be, you know, some people are better at handling things than others, yeah. right? And we need both. You know, yeah. we can't just have one. So, um, but this Stephen Del Duca guy, like, it's just. Oh, man, it's crazy. It's like crazy. a serial killer. To be honest, I haven't been that tapped into the race right now. Yeah. And what's going on. But I completely agree. I always like to say, if you're, if you're completely for one side or, or radically for one position that's an issue oh yeah you know i don't know have you ever met like a like a strictly conservative person i'm like there's there's no way you agree on every single policy no. of this side there's dude. it doesn't it's humanly impossible yeah uh, dude I, I always relate this back to the u.s like if you go to the states it's like my dad votes blue. My granddaddy votes blue. We're fucking blue till we die. And it's just like, they don't give a fuck. It doesn't matter. It, it, doesn't, matter. it doesn't matter. It's we're voting blue and you're it's, being born into this blue culture, yeah. right? Like, it's <laughs> fucked, It's dude. tribalism is yeah. what it is. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, it could, honestly, deep down, they could disagree with the policy, but because it's in their family, because yeah. it's in their 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 tribe, yeah. they got to vote for it, right? Yeah. And, and that's a crazy thing. I mean, I we're not that far into it, Canadians. Like, But, you know, there's some like really really conservative like conservative people like for example my dad like he'll always be like like i'll joke and be like i'm voting ndp this year and he's like if you vote ndp he's like get the fuck out of my house <laughs> you know what i mean like and like would he actually kick me out of the house like back in the day when i was in there yeah. no but you know he's just sort of like don't do that like he's he's, like, he's, <laughs> he's not serious but he's serious he's serious yeah. he's like please yeah. for the love of god don't vote that but in the end of the day vote how you want to vote for sure and then you ask him who he voted for and he'll never tell you you're like the f it's like fuck, man. Stop, yeah. stop playing with me, bro. Yeah, What's exactly. going on, man? <laughs> fuck. Yeah, man. Uh, we're, we're in a we're in a strange space right now when it comes yeah. to politics. But I'm glad people like you are are bringing light or, or some comedy to these issues. Um, mm. Shout out to Austin too. I like I like yeah. that collab you guys got going, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we have to, bro. It's like you don't laugh through these times. It's you know, like sometimes me and Austin joke around. We're like, we're doing God's work out here, guys. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I feel like you have that phrase. Everyone deserves a laugh. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I completely resonate with that. Right? Yeah. I think that, like I was saying before, when you can go through life and just laugh at the little things, like yeah. you stub your toe. Oh, shit. Yeah. You know, you get a flat tire. Yeah. If you can find some way to find some humor in that. It's, it makes it go a lot, yeah. lot easier, right? Man, and uh, I mean, not to jump into a hot topic, but like, that's why cancel culture drives me nuts so much. Oh, and I'm, it's like, everyone <laughs> deserves a laugh. Everyone deserves to be laughed at as well. We're all here to be laughed at, laughed with. It's all to just make light of the situation. And sometimes people forget that and they go, oh, well, you made fun of me. And it's like, okay, but we're making light of these issues that you have and that everybody has. Everyone's got their own issues and we're all here to laugh at it. Like at funerals, we should remember, yeah. laugh about the good time, this sort yeah. of thing, right? It's like how we cope with things. So when people hold comedians up to this standard that 
politicians have where they could fucking change laws or invent laws to change the way we live, that's different. Yeah, hold yeah. that accountable. Sorry. Brother, we're fucking out there just telling jokes. We don't give a fuck about any of this. Like we're that's we a lot of the times like I'll put my personal views aside and make a joke just because I'm like, oh, this line is hilarious. It works on stage. Mm-hmm. I'll create this whole backstory that doesn't actually like align with what I think, but you're laughing. Yeah. And that's why I'm fucking here. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like you're, for you to laugh. So you're bringing happiness to a lot of people's lives. Yeah. You know, and then the good thing about what you're doing is you're touching people that you may not even know you're touching. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have an audience in, in that sort of manner. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I like what you said, though, too, about the funeral aspect, man. Mm-hmm. I think sorrow and, and humor is an extremely thin line. Oh, yeah. You know, some of the some of the, the best memories and jokes I've had her at funerals, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's the crazy thing about it, man. And, and I, I like I like just the fact of of, of talking to com- comedians, especially like you, because you have that that positive, obviously comedic mindset when it comes to a lot of issues in life, man. And um, mm. bringing it back to council culture, yeah. I want to ask, how long have you been a comedian for? I've been doing stand up since. I went to that Humber comedy show. I was going to say. Sorry, comedy show. Humber comedy program. Yeah, yeah. Um, in 2010. About uh, 12, 12 years. Yeah, like 10, 12. I don't count those two years and the school program. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And that's just for me. That's just me not wanting to age myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, I'd say about 10 years. Um, you, look, you look young, man. Shit. I appreciate that. Yeah, no worries, man. Yeah, I mean, I'd say about yeah, 10 to 12 years. 10 to 12. Yeah. So... At what point would you say cancel culture really impacted that comedic space? Was it since you started or did it have a significant? What was the big one that really started to shift things? I think it was uh, Louis C.K., right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember that one. I think that was the big was one. Like, well, here's a thing. 16, 17? Yeah, but that was sort of like the Me Too movement at its height, and that sort of collided Me Too and then cancel culture. And then it was just sort of like, if you've ever said anything fucked up, you're going down, right? Whether it has anything to do with it. And, um, like, he obviously did something, right? I know it didn't say something, but then it was uh, Chappelle, and and they were just like, we're just going after comics, and then the pandemic was coming. So, like, I don't know. Uh, this Twitter police, oh, you know. Don't get me started on that, man. Right? It's all the same. It's just like, fuck, the Will Smith slap thing. I was on Twitter, bro. It was like everybody was just saying dumb shit. And just being like, you can't laugh at this, can't laugh at that. I'm like, no. See, once you start shackling what we can laugh at, like, are you... You can't police that. No, you can't police right. that. And it, I even get upset with, um, like, there's certain sides of, like, the BLM movement where people are like, well, no, no one's allowed to say this. And I'm like, I agree. No one should say that. But people say it, mm-hmm. you know? People drop the N-word in their canoes in the middle of the lake yeah, that are racist. No one's, there. Yeah. no one's there. Like behind closed doors, people are saying offside things all the time. Yeah. Regardless of, you know, what movement it is it's, and where you align. Right. So yeah, it's for, in regards to that BLM movement, being a black person myself, I could tell you that whole thing is fraudulent. Mm-hmm. It started off with great intentions, but it got hijacked by, and I think the, the root cause of it all was just money. Mm-hmm. Um, but a that, that, when you look at it now, that impact made nothing. Like, it had zero effect on, on how policies are, are, are made and how people are governed and, and how society looks at, at black people still to mm-hmm. this day. So I like what you said there. I think a lot of it is performative, um, but you can't police these things. No. You can't police these things, and it's, it's stupid. But when you're talking about comedy, this is, this is a space you're being vulnerable at, but you're also making light of, of, of certain issues. So that 
for instance, Dave Chappelle, mm-hmm. you know, a guy's, a guy's on stage, a guy walks up to you, tries to slap you. I mean, now you have other people in the in the, in the stands of other comedy shows thinking, all right, if, if that guy says something that offends me, I, feel, I have the right to do that now too. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's what's so effed up about this situation. So, I mean, I want to ask you as a, as a comedian, how do you navigate that now? Thankfully, I'm a very big individual. <laughs> so I, honestly, yo, when he walked in, I'm like, damn, I didn't know he was that tall. Shit. Oh, I'm, I'm six two, bro. Yeah. Shit. I'm, you know, it's so funny. So many people say that to me all the time. They'll meet yeah. me and be like, dude, I thought you were like 5'5". Five, five. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they think that. It's because I'm fat, I guess, or I wear tracksuits. I don't know, but oh, people man. think I'm short as fuck. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not afraid to hear it. Now, on one side, I don't really say anything that, that that's that far off to one side that's really really offensive i don't really do that um but on the other side it's like if you're going to attack me like what are you fucked like it just doesn't make any sense for someone to do that even will smith like this guy's out of his fucking mind yeah and it's like you've clearly lost the battle and i dude okay i'm gonna say something that will probably cancel me right now but i had so many people arguing with me being just like yeah well uh Fuck, they're like, if he was, uh, they're like, if Chris Rock was white, would this have happened? Right? And I was like, and then people would go, and if if that wasn't Will Smith, and and if if Will Smith was with someone else, I'm what like, it, the what ifs. Who gives a fuck? Right? And it would drive me nuts. And I was just like, if, if Will Smith, if there was a white guy, for example, let's, I'm like, I started playing these what if games with everybody. I'm like, if that was a white guy, let's say Will Smith was white slapped him and he won the oscar after that everyone would be like if that was a black man he would have stripped him from the oscar they would have kicked him out right away right i'm like we could play what ifs all day long and in the end of the day it doesn't fucking matter right you cross a line it's just a simple abuse fuck if i slap you right now fuck i'm gonna get arrested i'm gonna cry this guy will beat the shit out of me we'll call the cops (laughs) i get an assault charge like (laughs) something's gonna happen something's gonna happen you'll kick me in the face and it's just like I, i just don't understand now obviously i'm trailing off quite a bit um, but bringing that back to comedy, it's it's a place of free speech, and I feel like that's the core of it. Yeah. And people need to be able to remove themselves like uh, from the situation and understand why we're here. You're at a comedy club. You're here to laugh. He's a comedian. He was there to make you laugh. Those jokes were pre-written. And we can get into the nitty-gritty of the whole thing on why you shouldn't have fucking slapped him. And do I think he should have won the Oscar right after that and get a standing out? Fuck no. But I, I, I mean... The Oscars, the acting industry, all that, it's so politically charged on its own anyways that it's like, it's tough for any of us to really comment on that. In the end of the day, you boil it down to, he slapped somebody for a joke. You're just, you've lost it. You're not, he wasn't present for that. So, I mean, one more thought I had with taking yourself out of the situation, and I think it's important to laugh at all of it, and people get too offended, like with the Chappelle stuff. The trans community was upset. Yeah. And I was just like, he's basically saying, Everyone is included in everything. Everyone wants to be inclusive. If you're part of that community of regular life, humanity, and people being included in everything, everyone's getting made fun of. Everyone's the butt end of the joke. You got to take the jokes as well. We take the jokes. You take the jokes. We all take the jokes. Yeah. Right? And um, uh, when my nonna passed away, one of my grandmas passed away a couple years ago. And um, Condolences. Thank you. And we were over the casket. Looking, it was open cast. We were looking at my nana, and we started dying. Like we were laughing because they fucked her makeup up, <laughs> like, <laughs> and like her makeup looked all fucked up. And we're like, my dad's just standing there, like, 
we pay for this? Yeah, he's like, who did her hair like this? What the fuck is And he's like, what, why is she wearing this? And like, and then he's arguing with my grandfather, who's like, just, he's like, who gives this shit? Like, I can't even think. Like, I'm so mad. And he was crying, right? And everyone's crying. And me and my brother are laughing so hard. We're like, if she was here right now, she'd be like, who did my hair like this? What a fucking disaster. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can't believe you let them put lipstick on that's like over my lips. And like, you know, like I need shit. a refund. Exactly, right? So, yeah. and we just, and we laughed. And we we're like, it, and my uncle and my grandfather were so angry that we were laughing. They're like, this isn't the time for that. I'm like, but it is. It, exactly. It is. We're celebrating life. We know how she would be. And we were imitating her on what she would say because she was a very outspoken, like, you know, old school. Like, I don't know if you know old school comedy, like Don Rickles, like that kind of shit, like mm. Rat Pack back in the day, like just roasting people. That was my nun, just roasting everybody. And I'm like, we're roasting her right now, like, doing her voice yeah. and like we were dying and we're that's like that's what you know, she would have wanted though yeah she know? like she would want us to be happy in this moment in the end of the day nothing we can say or do right now is gonna ups uh, like change the fact that she's dead and i even got into it with some family members because i did her eulogy and the whole eulogy i impersonated her the entire time i would be like and i would point people in the audience and roast them in her voice buddy I had the whole church just dying of laughter, right? Yeah. And I was laughing too. And then you get choked up a little bit. But my grandfather and some of my relatives were like, you piece of shit. No way. How could you? And I'm like, what do you want me to do? Stand up here and go, uh, my nonna was born in Casino, Italy, and she had four cows and three rabbits, and she was a farmer. Like, <laughs> who fucking cares? She came over in 1951. Who gives a it shit? sounds like the plot of Godfather. Exactly. We know, yeah. right? Everyone knows this. We're here to celebrate her character and mm -hmm. how much we're going to feel empty for that character. And, you know, I, I paid homage to the, just the whole, uh, you know, that, that type of woman that is leaving us like the, the matriarch of like back in the day, buddy, she slaughtered her own animals, farm to table shit, like shit That's that crazy. Shit that, uh, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you were like, Mark, kill that chicken. We're going to eat it tonight. I'd be like, I really don't want to kill this chicken. Yeah. Whereas my nun would be like, Oh, that's your favorite chicken. Oh, cool. Sick. Snap its neck. We're going to eat it. This is a gift. And you're like, what? Like, so it, that's a just generation of people that are no longer going to exist. So, um, looping this all back. <laughs> looping this all back. I'm with you. I'm is, with you. I'm with you. Uh, even in the toughest moments, the only thing that gets you through those is laughing. So, yeah. if you got, you just can't take shit too serious. And I just tried to prove that by saying I was making fun of my grandmother at her own uh, funeral, I guess. I don't know if no, that's... I, I completely agree, man. I completely agree. You know, when, when you take things serious, you add stress to yourself. And there's just... Life is just too short. Yeah. You know, you need a laugh. There's a lot of things in our day-to-day, -day, in your day-to-day, -day, in my guy's day-to-day -day that happens. And sometimes you just got to laugh it off. Not even yeah. sometimes, all the time. All the time. Because the moment you take things serious or too serious, bad things normally happen. Yeah. I'm... A, I'm and... and Running it or circling it back to uh, just policing things, right? Mm -hmm. Policing free speech—that is the most—that's the dumbest thing I've heard. Period. Yeah. I think in terms of cancel culture and what's going on, it is a terrible thing that's happening, mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of people don't understand. If you're a part of cancel culture, there will be a point where you get canceled yourself too. Hundred percent. Cancel culture is 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 it it doesn't exclude you, mm. <laughs> right? It doesn't pick sides. It it, mm -hmm. it encompasses everything. And if you say one thing that's off the rails, bam, you're done. That, to me, that's just stupid. We're in a, a liberal country. We're in yeah. Canada, right? And to, to even think that it's occurring here on Twitter, freaking on all these platforms, I'm like, bro, at what moment just do we say this is enough? Yeah. And, and you know, there's a lot of, I have a lot of issues with that where it's like they, 
they're policing certain things where the conversation can't even be had anymore. You know what I'm saying? So, like, uh, I was referenced that one teacher uh, who got canceled. I don't know if you remember that teacher. He got canceled because he was saying that they shouldn't teach um, multiple genders and transgender to toddlers in, like, early elementary school. Was this in uh, Ontario? I or, think so. Yeah, okay, yeah, it okay. was Ontario. It's, it rings a bell. It rings yeah, a bell. So yeah, so he was just saying... He was like, I'm not against the transgender community or LGBTQ2 plus or whatever the whole acronym is. I apologize that I don't know the whole acronym. But he goes, I don't, I just don't think that, you know, these kids don't even know who they are, who they are what they are, or anything. Yeah. He's like, they're learning how to fucking spell. Give I don't know how, how, how to walk properly. Yeah. And then he went off about like the curriculum needs to be changed in general, we don't know how to do our taxes. They don't teach you how to do your taxes. They don't teach you how to do basic finance and like home living and how to just survive as an individual on this planet. And you want to just say, oh, before we update the entire curriculum, teach them transgendered and multigendered at two years old. And he lost his job for that. I'm like, he's just trying to create the discussion when you can't even be like, let's have a conversation to open up about progress. Like, He's just saying, if we're going to talk about progress, we have to talk about both sides and the pros and cons. Yeah. You can't even have a fucking chat about it. And you just go, you said that. You're done. You're done. You're You're what the fuck are you doing? Like Expelled. Expelled. Lose your jobs. Like this guy lost his fucking job over that. Yeah. And it's just like, he's just saying, hey, maybe we should think about this. And you went, oh, he said this. That means he's anti this, anti that. Yeah. Pro this. The first thing they do is label you. Because it's the easiest way to exclude someone. Yep. It's the easiest way to get someone canceled. Label him a, a, a colorist, a racist, a sexist, whatever it may be. Every ist. All Every the ist. ist. Uh, yeah. I had a, so I was in, I was in, I went to University of Alberta out west, right? Oh, nice. Uh, majoring in political science. So everything we're talking about right now, I, I love it because it's, it's important and it matters now, right? Mm -hmm. And I had one teacher, first day of class, she's like, listen, in this class, th there's going to be no use of isms. When it comes to debate, you can't use any type of ism on a on this panel. Yeah. Right. And, and right away that sh that struck me because I'm like, the first thing people love to do is label people. Yeah. Whenever you're in an argument, oh, you're this, you're that. Maybe I'm not. Yeah. But you like to assume I'm this just because I made one statement. Because if you say one thing, it automatically equates to you being that. And that's that's the problem with the, with the time we're in. And it's like, it all circles back down to free speech. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And to circle it back now again to comedy. Like you want to be able to speak freely. Absolutely. What's the worst thing I think a comedian can, can encounter is, is having to alter your, your, your script or your preparation to, to cater or to not offend someone or to, mm. you know, and um, I had this, this debate with one of my, my homies the other day. I'm like, is there a boundary with comedy? Mm. You know? And I want to ask, what do you think about that? I don't think there should be. And I fight family members about this all the time. I'm like, there are, Nothing is offside. Now, the harsher the word or harsher the topic, the harder it is to pass, right? Um, for example, um, I'm trying to think of a joke off the top of my head that someone famous did. Take your time. I'm going to find one. <laughs> I'm going to find one. I don't want to use Louis C.K. because people are going to be like, uh, you're pro Louis C.K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's pro Louis C.K. This episode is going to get taken off Spotify. I'll, I'll use Louis C.K. Um, he has a joke where he drops the N-word with a hard E-R like multiple times in the bit. Now, it's a great joke. And he gets away with it because of how good. And Chris Rock helped him write the joke and all this kind of stuff. That doesn't make it right, per se. 
and this was 2012, 2014, somewhere in there. And he gets away with it because the joke is amazing. Now, I'm, I'll paraphrase the joke. I'm not going to say it. Relax. But, like, he goes, um, I hate when people say the N-word. And then he goes, I don't mean, and then says the actual word. He's like, mm -hmm. I mean the N-word. And he goes, um, like, on CNN, they'll always be like, oh, so-and-so caught for saying the N-word. He's like, and then you go, the N-word. Oh, and then you say it out loud or you say it in your head. Mm -hmm. He's like, fuck you. Don't put the onus on me. He's like, you take ownership. You want to say the word, you say the word. Don't put it in my head and make me say it. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I've become a racist because of you. Like, whatever, right? Yeah. And has this whole bit. He does it way better than obviously I'm doing it. But he talks about it, and it does so well. And he does it in black audiences, and people love it. And it, so basically high risk, high reward yeah. with material. So, you know, if the only thing is it's hard to try material with high risk because obviously it's going to eat shit for a long time before it gets good or you've crafted it to be good, you know? So like um, I know a lot of people that are like, um, you know, rape jokes, cancer jokes, yeah. not allowed. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I think they are if they're done well. Yeah. Everything is done. Like Bernie Mac said, it, man, it's not about what you say. It's how, how you, you say it. it. It's not about what you do. It's how you do it. Yeah. So it's if you can do it, you're the king, man. Like, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, high risk, high reward. High reward. Okay. If you can say, if you can make a rape joke that is funny, you won. You know, and, so, and, and again, these are these are topics that are on thin ice, right? These are on thin, thin ice. And I mean... Obviously, if you're going to perform a joke in that manner, you want to have that scripted, articulated well. You want to have it rehearsed extremely well, of course. But I, I'm on the same page as you. I, I don't think that there should be barriers or boundaries in comedy. Um, I think it does a disservice to the industry as a whole. Absolutely. Because you, you want to go to places and just feel feel free to express yourself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You want to step into a comedic venue and know that that comedian... And, and don't get me wrong, I don't mean it in the sense where you're intending to harm someone or intending to particularly attack a certain group and make light of humor mm -hmm. or light of comedy. I think there's a difference. I think when you're going to a venue and performing and trying to attack a group to, to roast them for, for, for whatever it may be, I think there's a difference between that and then just making comedic jokes about every group. Of course. Right? If you target one specific group, then I'd say, okay, maybe there's a no, problem there. of course. And here's the thing. You, you hit it on the head. It's intention. Intention is all of it, right? Yeah. And to me, and the way I view it with all comics, I think, well, most of them, um, have the intention to go up there to make you laugh. It's not, no one is, if they make a cancer joke, they're not saying that cancer isn't serious and that your person or you who dealt with cancer is less than. It's not what we're saying. We're making fun of the whole thing. Like the intention is to make you laugh about these serious issues and serious topics and not take it so seriously. Yeah. Because like you said, how short is life? Oh, Dude, so you want to, buddy, there. watch a Neil deGrasse Tyson documentary, bro. And like the universe. And you just sit here and go, bro, this guy's saying that planet earth is like a pebble on a beach. That's like 120 kilometers long. It's like, brother, it's nuts. This whole thing doesn't matter. That's nuts. Right. Like, or it does, but yeah. in the end of the day, it, you're going to sit here and try and ruin people's lives that are so short all because one guy said one word or he thinks a certain way. It's like you, you should be striving for progress, not revenge. Right. Exactly. And I get in that argument with people all the time. It's just like, well, no, you should go through the suffering that my people suffered like 
Jewish people say that to me sometimes. We get in these, like, they'll be like, well, until you go through the suffering, my people didn't. It's like, are we going to go anywhere with yeah. that attitude, with that mindset that you need to go through what I went through or have the history that I went through for progress? It's like, no, then we're in a vengeful state. Yeah. And it's going to be it's a cyclical. Circle. It's yeah. cyclical, right? When you want to push it forward. Not everyone thinks that way, unfortunately. And I do think that majority of the world is stuck 100 years ago because, yeah. you know, it, it's unfortunate. It's but. tough. But uh, that's that's the times we're in, right? Comedy's a, a very, I, I wouldn't even call it volatile. It is a high-risk, high-risk industry, right? Mm-hmm. It's an industry that's not guaranteed. You know, mm-hmm. you can say you're going into comedy. doesn't mean you're going to be the next Chappelle. Of course. You know. 90% um, of them don't ever get there. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned your your grandma being a comedian herself. Mm-hmm. Maybe not a professional one, but she had that in her blood. Yep. I want to ask, like, where where did it start for you? Was it from those influences, or w- did you always want to be one? Or I never really like. Yeah, it's tough. Like, I never thought I was going to be in comedy. Like, I, I was always the class clown kid, like that typical. So I was getting kicked out of class in elementary school, and like, you know, within two hours, they're like, "Hey, you two can't sit together." Like, oh, so I'd yeah. always be secluded in the back by myself. Um, you know, public socially distancing in elementary uh, you're, school. You're, you were doing the six feet before six feet was a thing, right? I'm a trendsetter, so <laughs> <laughs> I um, yeah, like so I didn't really get into it, and I never knew kind of what I wanted to do. And I always felt like when I was a kid, I was always like, okay, I feel like what I'm supposed to do is gonna like find me. Like I'm gonna have that moment that, uh, where I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, that's what I'm doing. Like you're yeah. gonna feel it, right? Epiphany, I'm like hitting awareness. all the metal in this fucking room. Yo, honestly, every time I come to the studio, I hit my head like three times on this lamp, maybe once on that, and I probably bang my tape. You're not alone, trust me. <laughs> right, it's my home Jesus. studio, and I still bang my head. Like, come on. Jesus. Um, but yeah, like I went to uh, before I went to Hummer, I went to Seneca, and I was like, okay, let me do this like entry level college program. It links to university after two years, whatever. It's general, so let's see what happens, and then. Um, yeah, I was just constantly writing down funny ideas all the time. And like, I really looked up to like, you know, Mike Myers and Jim Carrey and Chris Farley and like that era of people. And my family was always into like Robin Williams and that whole thing. Oh, I love, love Robin, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, and obviously my grandfather, grandmother into the old school, like old Vegas group of people and like really way back comics. Um, so like I was always around that kind of stuff and, um, I would always impersonate people cause I was just really good at, you know, impersonating someone. So like I, I lived in a, like a sort of like a court cul-de-sac mm. type neighborhood and like everyone was from a different place. You know, we had Russians, Pakistanis, Africans, Jamaican, you name it. Like it was almost like a United Nations court and we would always do these big barbecues where like we would trade dishes and this sort of thing, like my mom would give them lasagna, they'd give us birani, like that kind of thing, That's right? beautiful. Yeah, it was great. And like, I would impersonate people, like, for example, my neighbor from Pakistan, I would impersonate him back to him, okay? And he would be like, oh my God, I'm not gonna do the voice, and I'll get into why I'm so mad about cancel culture, because I can no you, longer do accents. Canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you so, get for that. It sucks, it doesn't <laughs> make sense. So I uh, would do his uh, accent, and he'd be like, you have to call my family in Pakistan. And would have me call his family in Pakistan, like crank calling, pretending to be him. And like, brother, his whole family would be dying. He's like, you sound just like us. I don't know how you're doing this. No way. Right? So same with all the things. So like, And I would, when I started doing stand-up early on, like, again, I had Asian neighbors that would babysit me before, like, I'd get off the school bus and I'd be hanging at their house until my parents got home. Filipinos, you name it. So like, I can do every accent you can think of very well. 
and I would bring that on stage and be like, man, I used to go trick or treating. You know what I mean? My Asian neighbors would, they would watch me after school. They knew that I never had a pencil case or a geometry set. So like on Halloween, she'd be like, here's yeah. a calculator. Here's That's a, crazy. Right. And be like, here's pens and pencils. Like you need it. And like other kids would be getting like Coca-Cola yeah, cans and, yeah. and whatever and bags of chips. So, and I would do the voice. Now, if I do these voices, bro, people want to kill me. I do them in Alberta, crushes. But you know what Jeez, I mean? Yo, it's a different environment. <laughs> when I do it in Canada, Texas. We, we all go there. Ah, oh, please. Yeah. I used to, yeah, I live there, man. Shit, yeah. I know exactly. Um, Actually, one of the people you do uh, do uh, collabs with, Nemo. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he had a show out there, man. Um, we had a couple of mutual friends, and I saw him out there. And, oh, nice. Um, it's funny because, you know, different crowds elicit different responses. Of course. Right? Yeah. Do you feel like you you perform better in different areas in the city in the GTA or out west like or anywhere you've been like where where is your where do you feel like you elicit the best response or I does mean, it even matter? I mean, to me, it, I travel so much that like not to I'm like I sound like I'm boosting myself here, but like my home club is Absolute Comedy in Toronto, and like I love that the most because that Midtown is very uh, diverse, yeah. like a Young and Eglinton area. Yeah, so you're gonna get a lot of people. But honestly, man, like I perform well when it's all one group in one place. For okay. example, like if I go to Markham and play an all Asian room or uh, like the Nubian room in Toronto, all black room, like I don't know why I just do much better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I go in Alberta, all Hicks. Yeah. <laughs> I crush. <laughs> right. It's just like, so, and again, all, like if I go to Markham and I do an Asian accent, I am destroying the oh, place. It's only white women that are freaking out uh, that, that go, you piece of shit. Uh, you should sir, be canceled. It's a lot of Karens, a lot, a lot of, of Karens, Karens out there, the Karen community. It's terrible, man. And it's like, it's I, I, again, that's where the cancel culture comes in, where I go that me doing the accent is the intention to make you laugh, not at them. The joke isn't Asians sound like this. Ching, chong, ching. I'm not doing that, yeah. right? That's not the same thing as me putting a voice to this person who sounded like that, and I'm not putting them down. They're not the butt end of the joke. I am. So it's like, you know, I had a lot of people, they'll write me emails quoting my material, sending me recordings. That's crazy. Being like, you see this line here? I'm like, yeah, you see the line before it? Like, yeah. you know what I'm context. saying? You see how I'm setting it up? You see the context? I'm not sitting here going, you know, doing this shit and, like, trying to be a rate. Like, I'm not saying this is a one-dimensional culture. I'm saying I grew up with these people. They grew up with me, vice versa. We shared cultural experiences, and people need to know about that. You're making light of it. You're a making light of it. Storytelling. Story What's a good story without impersonating all the people in the story? That's terrible. I can't be like, so my dad was standing there going, hey, man, and then do my mom be like, and then my mom chimed in and was like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, if I put voices to these people, it's a better story. 100%, man, 100%. I, I think feel like we're gonna have no clips from this because oh, of what I'm saying. Please, no, we got we got like I can count like three or four obviously off the top. But um, I think yo, growing up in Canada is a blessing, man. Especially in the, just the the, ma the amount of diversity you have. Like you're telling me you're in a court with Africans, Asians, yeah. Middle Easterns. Like that's that's special. That's beautiful. Yeah, you know, it plays into a lot. And you can probably sit here and say that's a big reason or. They played a big influence into why you chose comedy, right? And yeah. you mentioned you went to Humber. I went yeah. to Humber. I'm actually at Humber right now. I'm taking oh, nice. uh, acting for film and television. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm in my first year program. Um, what uh, Were you Humber North or South? Do you remember? Uh, I was Humber Lakeshore. Lakeshore, right? Lakeshore. South. Yeah. South, yeah. Well, do you remember what building? The Birmingham? 
Yeah, so Birmingham? now it's now it's the Birmingham building. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So my first year, we were at Lakeshore Campus, like Building D or whatever, I think. Yeah, yeah. It like, like, just looked like a house. Yeah. Um, and then they moved to Birmingham um, in my second year there. Yeah. And then I went for a third year for, like, this postgraduate, like, script writing thing and stuff, which is cool. But, yeah, like, if it wasn't for them, man, like, Jesus Christ, I forgot we were talking about that. Um, they, a buddy of mine, so my dad was very, like, if you don't go to school, like, I'm not... This isn't happening. Like you, you're like on your own type shit. Now, what if you would he have actually kicked me out? Probably not. But he was just like, you have to get some sort of post secondary education. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm gonna drop out of Seneca. I'm gonna go to Second City, do the Mike Myers thing. I was researching how he did it and how all these all these, all these like other famous guys did it. Um, I'll probably start doing stand up, but like I had no like stand up for me was never an option. I was like, I'm never gonna do that. Like I want I wanted to do the acting and the sketch and. SNL, Mad TV, that kind of thing. Yeah. And um, went to, my buddy comes home one day from school and he was like, yo, I saw this ad on the bus. It said like Humber Comedy. It's like a comedy writing and performance program. I'm like, unreal. I applied the next day, had to audition, got in and then switched to Humber. And they force you to do stand up. And then like right away, as soon as you like, enter the program, as soon as you enter the program, like you work on your five minute set type uh-huh. thing for a couple months. And then in like December, everyone does their first show kind yeah. of thing. And, um, I was, as soon as I got off stage, I was like, this is it. Like I found it. You know what I mean? Like, and that was like, I had that eureka moment or whatever. The light bulb went off and I had that fucking good feeling after I was like, okay, fine. I found what I think I'm supposed to do here. You know? Yeah. Like it it connected and everything else we were doing, like acting and sketch and all this kind of stuff. It was fun and good, but it wasn't like, it didn't, you know, hit like my first set was incredible, and then my second set was just dog shit, like just silence. Yeah, I want to ask, like, you had some trash. I'm guessing you had some trash sets, right? Of course. Do you, do, does one recount where you just like, yo, I never want to experience that again? Like, god, was there a turning I, point? So for you? many, dude. Oh my god, like so many. Yeah, like, but like one that really just it pisses me off to this day. Like I've had some where, you know, people are yelling at me and like the whole time, and that's like are plastered drunk and like you can't get what you're performing for an hour and like you can't get through the show without this same table throwing shit at you and yelling like there's been those but one that like just oh it's so my dad his friend um ran this big company it's a big truck rental company okay and uh like used car not car rental right um there's only like three in the country so it's a short list and they go hey we always have a comedian come every year to our Christmas party. Would your son want to do it? Now I'm like three years in. Okay, I've never done a corporate in my life. And for those of you who don't know, to do corporates, you got to work up quite a bit. You have to have like 30 to 45 minutes of clean, corporate clean material that HR won't get mad about. And it's just like, it treads the line. Like, you know what I mean? You got to hit that eight to 10 year experience mark. At the time, I didn't want to say no. And he was just like, you know, last year we had Jeremy Hotz and, the year before that, we had Jerry D and, like, big fucking names. And right away, I'm like, Dad, I'm not doing this. Like, this is, they use very polished individuals. They had a cancellation. They have no other choice. They were like, in the end of the day, we're not even going to do comedy entertainment anymore for the party. If he wants to, let him come and do it. So my dad, he's like, I've already locked in a contract with them. They're paying you very well. And it was like the most money at that point I made. I think it was like 
I was three years in, I think it was like uh, 1200 bucks or something Damn, for man. 45 minutes. And like I, at that point, I never even got paid to do stand up yet. You know what I mean? So I was like, oh, fuck, this is my dad's like, this is a lot of money for you at this point in your career. He's like, you have no business making any money. Mm -hmm. You stink. So <laughs> well, <laughs> like straight up, he was like, you're not there yet. Right. Yeah, He's yourself. like, but put your, you know, put your best jokes together and do it. I get there, dude, it's like a Deerhurst resort, like fucking massive ballroom, like 100 to 200 people, big round tables. It's packed. They've been drinking all day. They golfed the day before. And um, there's this guy on stage who works for the company who is killing. Like he's standing at the podium getting all these laughs because he's part of the company. So he'll be like, yeah, just like Buddy's wife and like Bill's sister. You know? And <laughs> yeah, he's like he all these, the yeah, all these local references to these people and they're dying. And then he sees me walk in and I just got there. So like, I wasn't going to perform for like another hour. And he goes, oh, fuck. Oh, okay. Uh, your comedian's here. I don't know. He calls himself like the funniest guy in the world or something, which is not true. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I literally get up there. I'm on my hands and knees, bro. Like setting up my mic and like running a cable from their speaker to my shit and whatever. And I'm like, did you just introduce me? He's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Brother, I fucking ate it like ate shit with a spoon for the entire hour, like steady. They, no one even looked at me and registered. Like I said, thanks, good night. And no one even re responded. Like by the end of it, they weren't even looking in my direction. Like That's they crazy. Were, and they voted it. So this is my dad being a dick. They voted on the weekend. They get a survey for what to do next year for their parties. They voted the comedy portion of the weekend, the worst part of entertainment <laughs> In their company's history, bro. History. So, How long has this company been off with? History. Like fucking 25 years. <laughs> so they're like, out of every piece of entertainment you've ever done for our corporate events, this is by far the worst fucking event <clears throat> ever. They're like, and my dad literally showed me the email and then they sent photocopies of the surveys, like digital copies of the surveys. My dad's like, read these. I'm like, why are you doing this? He's like, I want you to see how bad you are. <laughs> He's like, these people said you sucked. I'm like, I did suck. I'm like, the guy fucking introduced me like an idiot. I'm like, it was a recipe for disaster. They weren't even ready. Or like, it wasn't set up for comedy, whatever. And um, he's just like, they voted you as the worst entertainment their company has ever brought in in 25 years. That, and so this is your third year starting in. This is three years this in. This is company. three years in. How, <laughs> how do you bounce back from that? Oh, I was furious. I was like, I was like, dude, the whole car ride, my mom fucking drove me to the gig. <laughs> like, bro, <laughs> that's how fucking like, so, because my mom had to go pick something up in that area. So she's like, let's go up early. I got to make a couple stops. I'm going that way anyways. I'm like, oh, sick. I'll save money on gas. So she drove me to the gig and watched the whole thing in the back of the room. And my mom, like, by the end of it, dude, was sweating more than I was. She was like, she's like, that was torture for me. She's like, I just watched you <laughs> suck a dick for 45 fucking minutes. Even more, like, and one of my best buddies came too. And, like, so it was my mom and my best friend, like, yeah. just watching ah, me just fuck. shovel it. Tough system. Secondhand embarrassment is a real thing, though. I oh, 100%. I watch TV. I fucking start sweating. I'm like, I feel bad for this guy. <laughs> so, obviously, as a comedian, you've been in shows, and, and you know, you're waiting to perform on a on a lineup, obviously, right? Yeah. You ever been in sets where the one before you just shit, and, like, he's just terrible, doing yeah. terrible? Do you get that feeling then? Yeah. 
Yeah, like I'll be like, oh my god, dude! I try my best not to watch shows because there's this thing I don't know how to explain it, and I've tried to articulate this to other comics that I find so strange. Like I can't watch shows because we all started as an audience member first, right? Yeah, and I'll always be watching the show and feel myself transitioning mentally from a performer to an audience member. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'll be in the audience like, and then all of a sudden I'm laughing at their bits. I'm into the story. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh shit, I'm next. I got to perform. I got to perform. And like to make that switch back to like, these are my jokes this is what I'm doing. This is the energy and place I got to be in mentally. So, um, yeah, buddy, I've been, uh, I did the Nubian show and he's a really good friend of mine. I shouldn't even trash talk him. I'm not, but, like, yeah, he yeah. ate it so bad. Like, they were throwing popcorn and, like, beer glasses oh at him gosh. and shit. Like, Tomatoes? Like, full-blown uh, beer bottles at him and shit. And I was like... And he wouldn't give up. He was just like... He's so <laughs> no, he was like, no, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you guys, man. I'm winning you back. And he's from the U.S. Like, and he, like, he does comedy oh, here man. and there all the time. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm not getting off stage. And then the host came on. Like, uh, yeah. who's a legend, like Kenny Robinson, like he's been in the scene for like 40 years, like he's the man. And he goes on and, you know, he's like old school, like he wears three-piece suit on stage and shit. And he's like, you're done. And he, he's like, he's like, come here. And he like takes the mic, he's like, you're done. And he goes, no man, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't happening. And he goes, it's done. Oh, and then he goes, you know what? And then the host goes, you know what guys? Give this guy one more joke and I'll stand up here behind him and if he if he wins you back i'll get off stage and he'll finish his set oh, shit. and they go you guys go with that they all clap oh. he literally stands behind him like this <laughs> dude within fucking eight seconds the guy goes so yo, you guys ever go to the zoo <laughs> boom <laughs> boom oh yo, and they fucking started throwing popcorn yeah. and he didn't say you ever go to the zoo but like it was yeah, some, something like some setup they were yeah, like yeah. yeah no see you later it was a loss from dead dude. yeah no oh my god and i was next and i was like Dude, I was free. I was like, "Oh my god, dude, I'm freaking out." I'm fr I, so I, yeah, like that's the thing. The crowd is already at its peak. Like it's 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 tense. It's riled up. Yeah. How do you? What are you thinking when you go on set? Next? I was like, one guy came out to me, a good friend of mine. He's like, "Yo, think of it this way." He's like, "You can't do worse than that." He's like, he's like, and they want to laugh. He's like, they're here to laugh. He's like, they didn't come here to boo people. Yeah, you know, and it was fucked up because the host of the show had a rant at the start, being like, "Man, this show used to be people used to fear coming on my show because if you sucked, you would get booed." He's like, and he told the audience, he's like, "If people suck tonight, I want you guys fucking throw shit. Tell these motherfuckers they suck." And I was like, "Why are you doing that, man? Like, don't do that, yeah, right?" Yeah. And you know, he only has like one or two white guys on the show, and I was the white guy that night, and I was like freaking out because like it's obviously stressful in general to do shows where you're the only one on the show. And uh, he's just like, "You're next, man. You good?" And he's like, he's calling me on stage. He's like on stage. He's like, "Hey, are you ready, white guy?" He's like, "Our white guy's up next. <laughs> oh, are you guys ready for the white guy?" Yeah. And I was like, "Bro, don't do this." And like the guy next to me is like, "You can't do worse. They want to laugh." He's like. You know, just yeah. do your shit. Yeah. So I went up there and I was like, man, my buddy didn't deserve that, guys. You guys are fucked. Like, just, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what you guys don't realize, you're gonna forget about this tomorrow. He's gonna remember that forever. The rest of his life, <laughs> actually. Yo. Life. And every time we see each other, like I go to New York or New Jersey sometimes, and he's out there, and we always laugh about it. He's like, yeah. man, he's like, I'll never forget you followed that. And just that's tough, man. Yeah, yeah watching comics before performing those tough. Like I, I completely relate to that. It reminds me of like when I when I used to to hoop out, out west yep. at U of A. I used to hate watching games before playing. Right, mm -hmm. so there's a women's team and our team. Obviously, women's team would usually play right before ours, and then mm -hmm. we would go right after. Right, so a lot of my teammates would 
obviously see like the first half and get changed and prepare for our game. I was never, I was very rarely out there to, to watch the women's game. And it's not that I didn't want to support them. I just like, I kind of experienced what you're, you're thinking. Like I'm uh, an attendee. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guest here, but now I got to transition into now performing. I'm mm-hmm. going to be on the court in about 45, 50 minutes. I got to yeah. be in that, that game mode. Yeah. yeah. I've already did my research. Yeah. I've already did my studying on, on what reads I have to make and what plays I have to make. I already did that. So now to be in the stands and then to just, it, it just felt weird to me. No, it I felt I, extremely weird to me. I'm 100%. Like, like, you know, I'm always the guy pacing around in the back of the room yeah. looking at my phone. And sometimes I'll just like, I'll be, I'll be scrolling through Instagram. And if you look at me, I'm not even looking at anything. I'm just like <laughs> occupying myself. Yeah. So I'm not like freaking out or whatever, you know, and like just taking up time. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll have to like take like four or five random pisses and like, oh, yeah, those pisses are, yeah, they're mandatory. Those mandatory. are, those are essential. Yeah. Those are for any performance. Those are essential. And then you're like, Oh my god, I'm I'm, I'm dry. I gotta, I gotta, yeah, I'm dry. Yeah, yeah. So, I had a I had a couple of teammates. They had a ritual of taking like, I had two teammates that took a shit before every game. Yeah, like it was part of the, it was part of their schedule. Yeah, and if they did, and they played terrible. Yeah, and um, it it you know you do you start to de- develop a routine after a while. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah. I'm guessing yeah. you have one. I uh, know. I mean, I did my best. So like, there was a time when I started. I'd wear the same, uh, shoes, and then there was a point where I'd wear the same shirt and then there was a point where i'd always keep my set list in my upper chest pocket like if i was wearing like a collared shirt and there was like the pocket uh on your outside of the dress shirt yeah so i'd like slide my set list in there i'm like okay i'll remember it's right here right and then i was like okay i don't want to be um fuck who's that athlete in the nba who was like fuck he didn't have the proper he didn't Uh, kicks it was the proper shoes and then he played like shit and he couldn't he couldn't get out of it and then um, his shoes fucked up, and then he never had the same shoes and never played well. I, I remember watching it. It was like about weird sports superstition. It was yeah, in that documentary yeah. at one point. But I was like, I don't want to be attached to anything. I want to be able to perform with any article of clothes on, clothes on in any situation. If I arrive late, if I'm flustered, like whatever, right? I just want to be able to make sure that I don't have any crutch type yeah. thing. So, um, but yeah, I need water, and <sighs> I got to chug a bunch of water, and... If I can have a coffee right before, like an espresso or something. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. I, I used to have the craziest superstitions, uh, especially in high school playing basketball. I used to have to pull up both my socks twice, and it had to be like a certain certain angle and a certain um, amount of pull. Like, I don't pull my shit up all the way to my knees, right? Right. I pull them twice kind of like a little bit calmly on each side, and then I have like some of the best games of my life. Yeah. Shit like that. And I then, used to have a foul line routine when I was taking my foul line shot. Yeah. Like, I'd have to dribble it a certain way and, like, feel the ball a certain way. Yeah. And, like, line my fingers up in certain places yeah. and shit. It right. helps. Yeah. And sometimes sometimes superstitions do help, but I agree with you when you say that it kind of comes a crush because your your whole performance, your your value in this craft is determined on what you do, Yeah, you know? And it's man, like, damn. And it's only because, man, I saw a guy have, like, a full-on meltdown because – after that corporate gig, I was like, this is never happening again. I'm doing corporates all the time. So, like, every time I'd, I'd call corporate comics and be like, I'm opening for you. Like, I'm coming to do five minutes and, like, really see the corporate scene. So, now I do them all the time and it's fine. Dope. But um, I saw a guy have, uh, he didn't have his, um, it was a particular notebook that he would bring with him, right? And it was, like, a small notebook. And he would just jot down a set list and point form notes. It was, like, one of those small little books. And he didn't have it. And he's like, oh, my God, I forgot my notebook in my other car. I don't know. Okay, what am I going to do? Okay. And, like, he started having a meltdown, and he couldn't perform. Like, he freaked out and just was like, 
And then he was up there and like blanking and he was right. So it fucked up his whole mentality. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, I can't have that happen. So like, you know, then I would on purpose be like, I'm forgetting all my joke bag shit at home on purpose. I'm leaving it here. I don't give a fuck. Right. And I would be like, and then I would put it on my phone. I'm like, I'm turning my phone off. Like I'm not writing down a set list. Yeah. I'm like, it's gotta, I gotta be able to click into it at any time. So like, if you're like, Hey man, go in the parking lot and go do 20 minutes. I can go out there and do 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Like just on the fly. So, so that I didn't have anything to fuck me up mentally. Yeah. It's, it's like acting like being in this program has Mm -hmm. enlightened me in so many ways where, um, I see a lot of my classmates, they'll try to look at the script right beforehand. And I used to do that too in my Mm -hmm. first semester, but then I'm like, listen, it's already here. It's there. I feel like I'm overstressing myself by having this, this script, you know, especially before mock auditions and things of that nature. I'm like this, I already got it here in the bag. Mm. I'm a guy in this. I do this. So I don't need I don't need this thing. It's not necessarily a crutch, but it's like if I don't have it, I feel like, oh my gosh, like, okay, what am I, what's that line? I'm gonna blank here. I, I'm mm. like, I'm all over the place. And that's when I'm I'm like, no, I I, I can't have that. Yeah, it's it's all mentality, man. Like yeah. and that's and you know, there's sometimes, man, like some of my best shows are that's why I say it's so much of a mental battle and struggle on its own. Yeah. To have these things that you rely on, you're just complicating it even more. And that's for me personally. Like I, I find if I'm not in the mood to go and make you laugh and they'll know, yeah. right? If you're not in a good mood and you're not having fun telling your jokes and wanting to be like, oh, you got to hear this story. Like with that enthusiasm and that mentality, uh, that energy you're Shows. giving off, they'll they'll feel it and be like, yeah. something's wrong with this guy. And then, and then all of a sudden the whole drive home, you're like, fuck, none of my jokes work. It's like, yeah. Well, you were fighting with your parents on the drive. You fucking were pissed off because you almost got in a night. You rushed here. Whatever. And, like, you didn't get any sleep. You've been performing every day. You just need a break. You're mentally not in it. So, of course, it right? Shows, so, yeah. you you got to get yourself mentally in it. So, it's like, yeah. I try to stay away from those. Well, uh, you know, I was uh, I was keeping tabs on your schedule. Nice. And uh, what's today? The 27th. You got a show coming up tonight, right? Yeah. Later this evening. Do, yeah. Uh, where's that at? Aurelia. I'm going to be in Aurelia tonight. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, by the time this episode's uh, out, obviously it'll be, have passed. But um, what's your schedule like moving forward? Where can the audience or where can guests see you coming up? That's a good question. You can get back to, <laughs> <laughs> you can get back to you on that one, bro. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, follow me at Not Mark Anthony. I post all my schedules and stuff to the camera. Yeah, Boom. Yeah. Follow me at Not Mark Anthony, guys. Uh, that's my Instagram. I post everything all the time. I post every month. I'll post... Uh, all the scheduled shows that I have for the month. A lot of stuff comes up sporadically all the time and uh, on a whim too. So uh, I'm always at Absolute Comedy uh, Toronto. I'm always at uh, the Corner Comedy Club in Toronto. Uh, Yuck Yucks Toronto. Um, uh, Nothing Fancy Comedy Club in Toronto. Comedy Bar Toronto. Uh, Those are like the main spots. SoCap Theater, a lot of good shows always in the city. So if you want to catch me working on some new shit or polishing the old shit. Dope. That's where you can find me. Dope. Well, uh, Mark, I, I hate to wrap it up, man, but uh, this has been a pleasure. I'm glad I can get you on the platform, bro. This is uh, long overdue, but it, it's been an, uh, an interesting conversation. Yeah, thank you, know? you bro. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah. I apologize for appreciate crossing you. the lines. Oh. Uh, we're literally crossing the line right now. <clears throat> yeah. nah, I appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, stay tapped in. Love it. We out.